All right, everybody, welcome to the State of the Lakers postgame show. Uh, like Raj and I were just saying, we're super stoked that uh, this nice early game, we can uh, all uh, have a good rest of our day in a good mood and not have to stress about anything. Uh, Lakers play again tomorrow at six, last game of the season. I thought it was an interesting game in the sense that, you know, they clearly didn't bring their best effort, but they didn't need to. Um, but you could at least pay attention to some of the matchups on the floor that we've been waiting to see all season uh, and get a good look at what their core lineups are going to be. Basically, minus Alex Caruso, who was the only guy who was out tonight, um, today, I should say. Uh, but anyway, I guess the, I guess we have to start with LeBron. So let's start there, Raj. What did you think of, of what you thought from uh, LeBron's return? Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good to me. Like there was a few moments where he wasn't really um, have as much burst as he usually does, but he had like that huge dunk in the first half. And man, I said like the Lakers were running without any point guards right for a while there, and just to have to go from no point guards to LeBron James running your offense, it just looked so much more smooth. They had a little scoring drought in the end, but he was getting everyone in the right place, uh, running the correct actions, telling Drummond where to stand, to when to tell AD to kind of come up. It was good to see him back, and he just re- really just walked into what uh, I think he finished with, like, 25 points, uh, nine assists, eight rebounds or something like that. Just his normal line. He just really walked into that um, off his, on his first game. No, he had a, not really that much rust to me. He had the biggest shots in the game in the fourth quarter, too. I, liked, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked fine. Um, he looked like himself, which is the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. I think he'll get his rhythm back. He'll get, you know, more comfortable um, with his athleticism as we go here. But just seeing him, like, back out there, playing with this unit was the biggest thing that's what this team needed these wins are really great to get out of the playing game would be great but just seeing LeBron and AD look like themselves was cool especially LeBron tonight yeah I I agree there were three there are kind of like three elements to the LeBron return that I want to touch on one how he looks physically uh two kind of what he brings to the offense and how much it changes everything and then three like what what do you make of the stuff like what happened at the end of the game uh which which I want to touch on that as well as far as how he looks physically, I thought everyone overreacted a little bit to the dunk. Uh, <laughs> obviously, it was amazing, but you and I have been hitting on since the beginning that uh, you know LeBron's left leg wasn't the injured leg, and that's his best takeoff leg. And that yeah. you know, for for what his right foot uh, is, it's going to mostly manifest, in my opinion, on uh, kind of like off motion dr- uh, jumpers where he has to plant on both legs. Anything that involves, you know, quick defensive movement one way or another, um, it's also going to affect his first step a little bit. You know, he could push off his left leg, but that next step is going to be that right leg pulling him forward. And all of that is part of uh, uh, of his overall mobility above and beyond, you know, him elevating in transition. I thought overall he looked pretty good. I mean, if you look, if you really think about it, he kind of coasted through that game. That wasn't exactly LeBron you know, playoff intensity oh, going 100%. crazy. He barely broke a sweat and got his, you know, his stat line that you just, that you just laid out. I thought there were a couple of examples in the first half. Uh, both of them were and ones, if I remember correctly, where he showed that burst to beat someone off the dribble and get into the paint. But I kind of felt like he was testing that, but not overdoing it uh, as he kind of wanted to, to ease his way into the game. But overall, physically, I think he does look as good as you can hope under this circumstance. And he certainly looks good enough to be able to bring the level of impact that you need from him. Um, But the one play that I said that I pointed out on Twitter was that spin move and transition uh, where he went into Goga's body and did that, that uh, kind of pirouetting spin move that he always does where it's all off of one leg. 
And, uh, and he kind of lost his balance, didn't quite get the lift and he missed the layup. And, you know, when LeBron's actually in really good physical condition and he's got his legs underneath him, that's one of those moves where he just powers through the guy gets tons of elevation and gets an easy layup out of it. And so those are the kinds of plays that we should keep an eye on in the next few weeks as indicators of how well he's progressing to getting his conditioning and getting his legs back. Yeah, for sure. And Indiana's kind of like a nice team to come back against, right? They're missing Uh a lot of dudes. Miles Miles Turner, Sabonis, um, even Brogdon. All these dudes are like all defense type of players. So it's a good team to kind of come back against. Um, They had, I think, Goga Blitzstage was their center, right? There was a rim protector. He's not really going to stop LeBron when he wants to. It felt like when LeBron wanted to attack the rim, he could. He got to the Mm -hmm. rim, like you said, those those two and one. So it was a a good game for him to be able to attack and just go against a team that can't really stop him. And you're right. Like, he was really just relaxed through this game. Like, I didn't think he broke a sway. I thought he really, like like I said, I thought he walked into his 25, 8, and 7. Like, he was really relaxed. Um, Other than that, like, fourth quarter where he kind of turned it on. So it's good to see him get back uh, tomorrow. I think the Pelicans also have a lot of guys out, a good team to kind of go against. I'm not sure he'll play in the back-to-back. Um, but yeah, I thought he, I thought he looked good. This is a good team to go against. You can't really, this is not like an all defense team, right? So it was a, felt very like all-star game, a little bit like that through the game, like a lot of no defense mm-hmm. type, type of possessions, uh, back and forth, um, a lot of layups given, a lot of dunks. I think they had like nine dunks within like the third quarter, a lot of mm-hmm. hoops. Um, so it was a good team, good game for him to just get his sweat and even just getting his sweat. He put up 25, eight and seven, um, and just have him organizing the offense. I just thought it looked, it looked so much more clean, uh, without, you know, having to have THD have the ball for, for 30, 32 minutes a night. Yeah. So this is the, this is that second thing I wanted to touch on, which is just him in general controlling the offense and how different it looks. You know, uh, there are all, there, there are always openings when a defense is really engaged and kind of jumping around and shading other players. There's always going to be openings and it just takes a specific type of offensive player, a LeBron, a Jokic, you know, a Luca, you know, a, a gifted passer to, uh, uh, to, to identify those openings and to make teams pay when that happens. And, you know, there were two or three lobs in that game where, you know, lobs that the Lakers had basically completely missed over the last, you know, 30 games where, you know, you know, easy, easy dunks to Drummond and Anthony Davis at the rim. These are the kinds of plays that LeBron reopens up just in general, like his ability to, you know, kind of stand at the top of the key, direct traffic, get guys to lean one way, get a switch somewhere where he can identify another opening without expending too much energy. That's the kind of stuff that I think was missing from the Lakers offense in general. And and it was really nice to have that back because at the end of the day, like as, as, as long as, you know, we've, we've rooted for Caruso to be able to make those plays. We've rooted for Schroeder to be able to make those plays. We've wanted Anthony Davis to get better at reading double teams but at the end of the day, it's going to be about LeBron making those decisions and, and having him back and kind of uh, uh, the, the Laker offense getting easy, easy looks again, which is not something they used to get. That to me, that to me was really refreshing. Yeah, my favorite play might have been like that play right before the half. Um, it kind of showed what this whole team, we talked about it all year, that it's a built around LeBron, right, and his shot creation. So like Drummond tried to come down and uh, I think he tried to seal in the post and then LeBron told him to like move into that dunker spot. And then uh, he got AD to come up for a little ball screen, right? And then so he, he got AD rolling, got him the ball, and then AD dished it to Drummond for a dunk. And yep. just kind of showed, like, his kind of control of the floor. He had KCP in one corner. I forgot who was in the other corner. But just showed, like, this team is built around his shot creation. And even if he's not 100%, 80 95%, he can still kind of 
get into rhythm uh, in these these few games. And then that first round, um, it looks like they're not going to play the Clippers. So um, whoever they play, Denver or Phoenix, he can kind of get his get his rhythm going as the games go on. So I, I thought it was a good night from LeBron. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that last thing, which was the way the offense looked there in the fourth quarter, fourth quarter when things kind of bogged down. Um, I think that you mentioned this earlier. The game kind of had a little bit of an All Star game feel to it, which you know maybe yeah. is a bit of a bit of an exaggeration. But you're right in the sense that it was an open floor with two teams that were playing sloppy defense and giving That's up right. a lot of easy looks. And you know the the Drummond at the five lineups are really going to rear their ugly head against specific teams, you know, against a Clippers, against, you know, uh, uh, a Phoenix or Utah, any team that is a, is a well put together, uh, defensive team. And then it specifically the, the Indiana Pacers who I think they're 14th in defense this year. So they're not like, you know, some crazy shutdown defense, but they were missing a bunch of guys too. So you might think of that. You might think of them as a below average defensive team, but when, when it's, when it's winning time, and, you know, they think they have a chance, you know, they're within five with six minutes left or whatever, or within nine. And they think they have a chance and all of them are doing their jobs and all of them are focused and all the easy stuff gets taken away. That's when the drum and at the five stuff is going to show up. And you, you saw it in the, in the form of, you know, all of the, uh, they, all they could do is run screen and roll with Drummond. They had to put AD as a spot up shooter because when they ran the, AD LeBron pick and roll, nothing was open because there was a third, a third defender involved. And so what ended up happening is their primary decision maker, LeBron ended up settling for a lot of jumpers and it worked out in the end because he ended up making a bunch at the end, but the stagnation is a result of the, the best passer on the floor LeBron, not seeing any openings and the openings aren't there because of Drummond in a defense that's focused and taking away the easy stuff and making you, you know, uh, uh, generate an advantage, but all of the, the all of those LeBron and AD actions had other defenders involved because of the lack of spacing, which I think is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. And they, I think they also had THT on the floor, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, they did. The game. So they had him, uh, they had THT and then they had AD trying to be in spot up. Sure. His jumper wasn't really going as well late in the game. And uh, they were really mm. doubling hard. I thought he wasn't really good passing out of doubles in the fourth quarter. I don't know if you saw that as well. So it was basically just LeBron trying to create with Andre Drummond, who got some good looks in the paint. Like I thought Drummond had actually a pretty good game. We could talk yep. <laughs> talk about him later, but he had some good looks in the paint. His flip shots didn't go, which, you know, it's going to go in or not. It's kind of how it goes with Andre Drummond. Um, and then LeBron hit his jump shots, like, and then they, they switched a few of the actions. He got some step-back threes that really ended the game. But, yeah, the spacing is we, – we've been talking about this spacing since last year, right? This is yep. the same thing with JaVale, same thing with Dwight Howard. Well, Dwight Howard maybe a little bit different. Um, those dudes are lob threats, so it helps a little bit more. But still, that same spacing is there, right? You go to LeBron, JaVale, LeBron, Dwight, green roll action uh, – at the end of games, it's gonna it's gonna look like this. It's gonna look clunky. Um, in the in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure if this was like an actual, uh, like a real game, they wanted to to win a little bit more. They would have put AD at the five, right? Eventually, especially against Indiana, who doesn't even have a real five out there. I think they have. I don't remember if they have Samson or Goga to close. I'm not really sure, but it was someone who should not be able to defend AD at. at the I think five. it was Go. I think it was Goga, if I remember correctly. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. So still, that's a, that's a guy that you can easily. Well, you can play AD at the five with anyone, but again, especially a guy like that who's a spacing, not really a post up center, right? Not really a guy who's going to bruise you down low. So um, that's what I thought. And those spacing is going to be there with Andre Drummond at the five. It's just what it's going to have to be uh, if, and, if they're going to play it. 
it's okay if your defense is stifling. You know what I right. mean? Like you got to get the trade off. Like if you're trading off spacing, but you're getting back ridiculous defensive pressure that's forcing the other team to stagnate and and wearing them down physically while simultaneously getting offensive rebounds and other things that add value to the game, then we can sit back and look at it and be like, hey, this is working out. But And I'm not saying it was Drummond's fault, but the, the, the defensive effort from the Lakers at the end of that game was embarrassing. I mean, on the last play, when LeBron missed that crazy step back, <laughs> and again, this is LeBron has a tendency to do this when he does not feel threatened, uh, which he very clearly did not today. Uh, but the, the, he missed that step back three and just didn't get back on defense. And it was a five point game with like 30 seconds left. So in theory, if they scored there, you would have been back in a one possession game. And, and I think Karis LeVert ended up missing a three or something. So it didn't matter. Uh, but again, like it's just the, the Lakers weren't, you know, if you have to settle for jumpers because Drummond's out there and there's a lack of spacing fine, but you need to punish them in every other facet of the game for their lack of size to match up against you. And I thought, I thought that that was the part they got to iron out. Like if you're going to do that lineup, you, you, you have to be really sharp defensively. You've got to crash the offensive glass while also having people who get back in transition. It just needs to be sharp everywhere else, if that makes sense. But I, I don't think, I, I think too often people point to LeBron in this case and be like, Oh, there's no movement. Oh, he's settling. And don't get me wrong. I mean, those things are true, but that is a side effect of the lack of spacing. Cause I promise you LeBron would love to get things freely moving and a couple driving kicks for an open shot. It's just the, 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 the driving lanes aren't there. The simple pick and roll actions aren't working cause there's a third defender involved. It just, it, it's classic uh, stagnation that occurs when a defense stops messing around and takes away the easy stuff. And you are playing with extra defenders involved in the play. No, for sure. And again, I, I didn't think the defense was locked in all night. Like it felt like they just tried to kind of get LeBron and AD going offensively, which which they did, right? Uh, they got those two, they got those two going, and the defense wasn't really clocked in. Um, I thought the closeouts were pretty bad, and every time they went up like ten, they just take their foot off the gas pedal. It felt like oh yeah, and they went up, they went ten eleven, just stopped playing, um, stopped going for rebounds. The Pacers only had eight offensive rebounds, but it felt like a lot more than that. They got a lot of second chance points, a lot of balls that just hit the floor, right? A lot of rebounds that hit the floor before anyone went and mm-hmm. got it, I felt like. Um, so the defense wasn't where it's at. But, like, I think the most important thing is LeBron and AD kind of look like themselves offensively, right? The space sure. issues are going to be there with, with Andre Drummond. That's just how it is. I just don't see him, like, playing, uh, especially with Gasol. Like, Gasol didn't get any minutes tonight. I really don't expect that um, in the playoffs. Andre Drummond got most of the center minutes. Tonight he played a lot with LeBron, AD, uh, and even Schroeder. Uh, but again, if like Schroeder's not hitting his jump shots, THT is out there. There's just nowhere to go. We can't can't expect LeBron to try to drive into three people. Um, AD also wasn't comfortable with his double teams, how they were playing him. So he was just standing in the corner as well. So that late game late game offense, I'm not really worried about about that. I'm not terribly worried about it either um, because I do think that the uh, they'll be with AD at the five for the most part. And, you know, they're just flat out, LeBron is one of, on the short list of people that you should really trust in crunch time to consistently make the right decisions. So I'm not worried about that. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the rotation, though, because we got our first peek at what the Laker rotation looks like at full strength minus Caruso. Um, I think we can safely – THT was the first guy off the bench. So I yeah. think we can safely assume that that's kind of where Caruso would slot in, I think, uh, mm-hmm. is kind of where THT was. We didn't see any Marcus Gasol. We saw a lot of Montrez with AD. 
we saw uh, that bench lineup uh, get run by Schroeder and LeBron, and we did see Macklemore, although he was strangely uh, unaggressive today. I thought he passed up on some open shots, which was kind of jarring considering the way he used to play. Uh, but I guess I should say, what is what was your kind of a, a takeaway from the rotation? Was there anything that you liked that you didn't like? Anything that you thought was interesting, uh, just in terms of how uh, the subs were handled today? Yeah, the only thing I didn't like, I guess, was like that that three guard lineup. Where it was like I think it was um, Tht uh, West. I forgot who the other guard was, um, but it was just like a real, that, that lineup that got oh Ben Malcolmore. There it goes. It was Tht Ben Malcolmore, and those two um, off the ball were just really bad. I thought. Um, especially if Ben Malcolmore wasn't giving the shooting. And then THD, I thought he had a really nice like game off the ball. He hit like two threes um, offensively, but his defense still, um, he was getting lost, a lot of back cuts. Um, I mm-hmm. felt and I thought this was a game for Trez, right? Like this is a game for him to play. Um, he gave a lot of it back, <laughs> in my opinion. Like oh, yeah. he, scored, um, he wasn't really doing much on defense. Uh, Samson had a career night. thought that a lot of that was like him finishing over him. Um, this, is a good, this is supposed to be the matchup he can play, though. They have a small ball five that they play. They put Trez as the backup five. Trez playing with AD. Um, that, that's why I thought he played tonight. And again, all these guys to me are uh, matchup dependent. I didn't see anything really wrong with the rotation. Um, I miss Alex Caruso, to be honest. I missed him tonight. Like oh, I yeah. thought they needed one more kind of guard defender uh, out there. But other than that, I thought it was fine. Schroeder looked like uh, he was kind of still getting himself in rhythm. I thought he picked it up in the second half. But it looks like they kind of cut his minutes off in the fourth quarter. Because I think they closed with uh, THT, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, so yeah. How about you? Did you see anything uh, interesting from the rotation? Yeah. So uh, qu- quickly on Montrez, I thought um, you know I-, I thought this was a great example of a matchup where he could succeed. Uh, but I'm going to cut him the same slack that I want to cut Ben McLemore, which is you know the the deep the Laker defense as a unit wasn't very polished. So it tends to accentuate guys' flaws. And I do think for both Trez and, and, and uh, uh, McLemore, there are, there are better opportunities for them to succeed in this defense when everyone's doing their job. Um, you know, for instance, like Mon- Montrez was kind of caught in no man's land a lot tonight uh, because of the sloppy rotations and was frequently out of position, constantly trying to cut off driving lanes from guys who were getting beat on straight line drives. Uh, which is which is kind of a, a symptom of lazy defense, lazy closeouts. So just in general, like I think I think it could look better um, for both of those guys. But yes, they were sloppy. You're right. Montrez gave back a lot of that. I mean, here's the thing too with uh, Jakar Sampson. He you know he's kind of like Rashawn Holmes. Like if he's going to take a bunch of these crazy push shots from seven to ten feet and they all go in, like some sometimes that's just that's there's not really a whole lot you can do about that. Uh, you have to punish him the same way you, same way you punish Montrez by using his lack of size against him and, and really starting to physically manhandle him. Um, I wish they would have played a little bit more Wesley Matthews. I think he only played 12 minutes tonight. Um, uh, I would imagine Dennis Schroeder's limit uh, had something to do with him coming back as well and just his conditioning because he only played 27 minutes. I thought uh, KCP looked awesome, and I thought Kuzma looked awesome. And it, it, there's no reason for – there's no player that we're really worried about at this point, except for maybe Markeith Morris. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is they don't need him as much as they needed him last year because they have the guard depth to go um, uh, with LeBron and AD at the four five. And cause Kuzma's so much better. A lot of times Markeith kind of played in the role that Kuzma was in last year. Uh, so that I, I don't necessarily think Keith's cold shooting is as much of a worry 
as it would have been last year when they really needed him in those uh, uh, as like a small ball five. Yeah, I like your point on on Samson with the floaters because I thought Karis LeVert hit a, like a lot of tough shots tonight, like a bunch of like step back uh, fadeaways. That I'm not sure um, you could really uh, do much with. So like, yeah, I didn't really have any questions rota- with the rotation. I would have liked Mark to at least get in there a little bit, um, but it looks like they were just gonna they were just gonna um, sit him tonight. So I guess I kind of wanted to move on like to uh, Anthony Davis. What you what you see from him? He had a huge first half, uh, 21 points I think in the first half. He looks good. Like again, he looks like he's just uh, like building off his last games, right? Like he's just continuing to get better. Um, his jumper wasn't really falling, but he was getting to the rim. They had no one to kind of stop him uh, down low. Uh, what else did you see from him tonight? I thought he was. I thought he really got going. I, I, I thought he played a great game. Um, I, you know, the thing with AD is that he's that he's starting to figure out too is that he can actually kind of go up over some of these double teams, almost yeah. Joel, almost Joel Embiid style. Um, he had uh, two or three of them like this today, where he was on the right block, you know, dribbling with his strong hand and, and would, would power dribble into the middle. The double would come, but when the double would come, he would just kind of gather and go low and then rip through and go up high and shoot his little hook shot. And basically one of two things is going to happen there. You're going to draw the foul or you're going to get up over everybody, in which case you have a really high percentage hook shot there. And what I like about that is it's an alternative counter to, okay, I'm not seeing the floor super well. I'm having trouble with these double teams. How do I make them pay for doubling me? And I think that's, I think Joel Embiid has made a living out of that this year. And I think that's a great example of a way that he can kind of counter that is just taking that kind of James Harden, Joel Embiid rip through to the middle as he goes into his hook shot. Um, you know, he, the, the big thing is he's starting to get those easy shots again too, the, the stuff from LeBron yeah. and pick and roll. Cause that's how AD hits that magic 30 number is he gets lots of easy, easy stuff mixed in with his difficult stuff, uh, which then allows him to, to hit his numbers. But, you know, I, I think he continues to look great physically. I didn't see him laboring the groin at all today. Did you? I thought he, I thought he looked yeah. great. Um, so I, I, I am cautiously optimistic that this can work. You know, I think we need to be ready for some LeBron sloppiness, some turnovers, some missed jump shots. I think we need to be prepared for some defensive kinks just because these guys haven't played together a lot. Um, but I, I don't see any glaring concerns at this point. It kind of seems to be coming together at the right time. Yeah, the big indicator to me is his free throw attempts. Right, He shot 10 free throws again tonight. Like I thought his aggressiveness kind of waned uh, down the stretch. I don't know if he got tired uh, or something like that. But, but again, 10 free throws, that's awesome. He took 11 shots in the first quarter, which I thought was huge. Just seeing him still aggressive with LeBron out there. Right, and LeBron, you said, like you said, gets some really easy looks. A lot of screen action with him. Um, him and Schroeder, I thought, built a little bit of chemistry as the game went on. Schroeder found him on a, on a few drives. Um, and, and again, just seeing him look like himself, I think, is the biggest thing uh, going to the playoffs. We talked about it. Uh, those two have to look right. All this other stuff is kind of is kind of still gravy to me. Um, getting the win, um, everyone else kind of getting their role. Schroeder getting back from from COVID and everything. But those two, they look like they're they're rolling as the the playoffs go here. So hopefully they can get the win tomorrow um and then uh try to stay out of this uh, stay out of this plane if denver can uh win tomorrow but ad i thought looked really really good his three still um didn't fall tonight uh he was one for four from three but he had two offensive rebounds like he was attacking the glass double double 10 boards um and again just i thought he was impactful he wasn't he wasn't the defender that he was against new york right like i didn't think he didn't he didn't bring with the that whole kind of team intent. was yeah yeah the whole team again like they looked like they were playing at 10 a.m I think it looked very much like a super, super early game. Just try to get the game uh, out of the way kind of thing. Um, but he looked he looked good. I thought his, he was moving well, which is the most important thing. 
You uh, you touched on this a second ago, and it was an interesting uh, kind of side plot there. Uh, AD was a lot more aggressive when LeBron went to the bench uh, yeah. at the halfway through the first quarter, and that's kind of when he got going. And the thing is, is like, you know, I think there's a little bit too much of an unselfishness thing that goes on between the two of them. And LeBron will snap out of it in crunch time, and he'll start shooting. But the truth of the matter is, is you're right. AD needs to be that aggressive when LeBron is on the floor. Uh, because LeBron wants him to LeBron's whole basketball identity is like, he's going to have his phases where he's super aggressive, but outside of that, he, he's begging you guys to be aggressive. He's begging shooters to, 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 to fire away. If there's an inch of space, he's begging guys to go up and pick and roll and try to draw a foul, try to get something going. And so I, I hope to see more of that from AD. And as far as his three point shooting goes, like that has probably been my biggest nitpick of him. Um, this season is the lack of three point shot volume. Um, because I thought that was a huge part of his game in the postseason, And it's a huge part of the Lakers spacing, getting, getting, you know, the, the, the difference between Rudy Gobert being a non-factor in that type of series and him kind of being a factor is going to come down to AD being an aggressive three point shooter, you know, because, uh, at the end of the day, it's not about whether or not he makes a few of them. It's about whether or not Gobert guards him out there. And the only way that a Gobert or an Ayton or a Zubac or whoever it, is, whoever it is that they go against, the only way they're going to go out there is if he's taken six or seven of them a game. And, and I think that's so important. And, and, and I, I think he can get those attempts without disrupting the rest of his offense. Like it, it doesn't fatigue him. You know, I think the Lakers would be happy with him taking more shots. So I think I think that's an easy fix for for some of his rhythm stuff is to, just to have him be a little bit more aggressive if he catches and has a look at the rim from three. Yeah, it's much more important when you're playing playing with like a non-spacing uh, five, right? Like yep. he has to be the one that that's shooting. If he's at the five, you can kind of get away with it a little bit more. You can run more screen actions, have him uh, diving to the rim. But if he's playing next to Trez and Drummond, he has to take those three. So one for four, I'm glad he's even taking them. You know, even if he's not making them, um, he's taking four. He took four tonight, which I think was good. Uh, some of them were, I think, more contested than, than others. But, yeah, he has to shoot them. I think if he's playing next to, like, Marcus Saul, then Mark can kind of be the spacer, right? Like, he can be the one uh, uh-huh. in the paint, and then Mark can kind of take those threes. But, yeah, it was a big part of the playoffs. His whole jumper was a huge part of the playoffs, right? Like, I think his mid-range game still – um, it wasn't great tonight, but he got a lot at the rim, so I thought that was fine. Um, but if he's not comfortable shooting him in the mid-range, like, I don't think he's going to go and bomb threes. Like, I just don't think that's how it works for him. It's, he's going to build inside out kind of thing, hit those jumpers, get his rhythm going, and then from there kind of bring it out to three. But you're right. If he's playing next to Drummond, spacing five, he has to take those for sure. Yep, I agree. And, and then the last thing I had on my list that we can touch on, and then we can uh, – if you have anything else, and then we can get to some guests. But uh, I – you know, THC, I thought it was a sloppy, sloppy game defensively, but I think we should give all the Lakers a pass in that. Or I should say we should collectively blame all the Lakers, not, um, uh, 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 you know, not single anybody out. Uh, but uh, on the offensive end, I really liked what THT did off the ball. And, you know, there were, I was listening to the, uh, the Laker Film Room podcast uh, yesterday or possibly the day before. And they were kind of bouncing some ideas off about, you know, how THT is an on-ball player and how yes. he's, he's most comfortable when the ball is in his hands. And I, while I do agree with that, uh, I actually think he's a good off-ball option um, because he is a, a capable of making more complicated, clo- uh, attacking closeouts in a more complicated way. 
uh, like, you know, the, the KCPs of this roster, the Wesley Matthews types of guys, they can knock down an open shot. They can pump fake and sidestep. And if the guy blows by and, and take a shot, they can put the ball on the floor once or twice and maybe kick it out to a shooter or get all the way to the rim. But like THT has the ability to, after he's attacked the closeout to make a counter move or a secondary move. And he can make the more complicated passes out of those closeouts. And I thought today was a great example of THT being awesome off the ball. Um, he knocked down a couple of open threes in the first half and in the second half off of kickouts from LeBron, which is going to be the most important thing if he wants to try to play uh, just because of the way spacing is going to work. But then he also had a bunch of these really nice closeout uh, attacks where he got into the lane and either uh, either created something at the rim that led to an offensive rebound putback or drop off to Montrez in the lane for a dunk. That kind of stuff, I think, is, is the, the ability to really make a team pay for being sloppy on their closeouts, I think, is, an, is, a, is a huge asset. And, you know, I still think those minutes have to go to, to, TA, uh, to Caruso. However, if he can figure out that defensive end and he can be that successful off ball, I think that is a better option than Macklemore. And possibly, in a shrunken rotation, a better option than Wesley Matthews, depending on the matchup. So I, I think there is an opportunity for him to play if he's going to play like this. It's just about being consistent. It's about being dependable. It can't be something that he's you know sloppy one night and then uh, has it all together the next. He has to be uh, a veteran in that regard. So I think, I, I think I've changed for a little bit from being no way he should play to this might work if he if he's a little bit more consistent. Yeah, I thought he looked awesome next to the starters, right? And then you could tell, like, all those, like, ball handling duties that he had, that he had to do when LeBron and Schroeder were out, they kind of paid dividends. Like, he looks like he's grown up as, like, a playmaker and, like, a player, right? Not as many crazy turnovers anymore. Like, he's driving with some, like, purpose. He gets to the rim to try to finish. He had a really nice finish and transition that I just thought was special. Like, he got to the rim, um, went through contact, flipped it up the reverse on the other side. Just skills that, like, a lot of dudes um, just don't have. I don't. I just don't want him playing next to, like, because he played in that lineup with, like, Ben Macklemore. Um, and then also, I think Trez was the five there, right? And he had Kuzma at the four. Just a really small lineup, really bad defensive lineup in total, right? So you put mm-hmm. him next to, like, two and three other defenders. Like, it's just not really going to gonna go well but I thought he looked awesome next to the to the starting lineup he he hit his threes really confidently right like he catch and shoot really in in confidence and uh, yeah I thought he looked he looked good tonight like he looks like he's grown up like I don't know if those those dividends are going to play off in the playoffs we'll see if he'll get those minutes I still think like you said I think Caruso will get those get that time more West Matthews maybe um a lot more Schroeder maybe but he has the talent man like it like the ceiling raises if he's better you know what I mean like it's there's a lower floor there because of his defense on off ball. But I just think he, he had a really good game. It looked like that weight is off his shoulders. Like him playing next to LeBron was so cool because he doesn't have to like bring it up, have the possession the full time. He can kind of run off, run off actions and attack, attack a already compromised defense. That exactly. Right. That's the key. The de- when the defense is already compromised, a, a, a talented player can make you pay. Like this was always the biggest problem with, you know, LeBron's Cavs teams is he would compromise the defense, but if it wasn't an open three, they just couldn't beat you in any sort of other action. And, you know, what makes KCP so good is how good he is, not just at shooting, but at attacking the closeouts to get to the rim. And having another guy like that, like THT on the floor, 
it could work. And that's my big key there is I'm just, I think this could work and it definitely bodes well for the future and what THT looks like with an older LeBron and with, you know, AD in the heart of his prime as just like this bona fide third option who can, you know, go on Dennis Schroeder esque spurts as a scorer, but then kind of default into an off ball weapon and then just be a dominant defensive player. And I, I, you know, I, I, he's been a roller coaster for me this year, personally, uh, just, you know, ta- thinking about what his potential is and how he kind of fits into the timeline of this team. But he's so yeah. ahead. Of, he's so ahead of schedule from all of these quality reps that, like, I think there's really good reason to be optimistic that he can actually be an impactful playoff player at some point in this LeBron and AD experience, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, and it looks like they trust him, right? Like, he closed the game tonight. He was the first sub off the bench as well. Um, they trust uh-huh. him to play, and I think he's going to get playoff minutes. Now, like, in the playoffs, every possession is <laughs> matters a lot more, so you can't have these, like, defensive lapses. And I think Vogel will, will press the right buttons there, but he's definitely going to play, and his, his talent is there for sure. And it looks like he's, he's like I said, he's growing up every single game. Uh, I think those those reps really did, like, are going to pay dividends here. Like, him be able to just be able to create, be able to make mistakes right usually you don't get that on a championship team you don't get guys mm-hmm. who are 20 who are able to kind of play through uh, mistakes but just because of injuries and you know bad luck with uh bad luck with injuries he's, he was able to do that and really build reps that he wasn't able to do last year he got a couple minutes in the playoffs last year as well but this year it feels like a really nice uh a nice year for him and i think he's going to be he's going to be a big time rotation uh guy in the playoffs yep i i, I agree uh if, if not this year then in the future uh, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we uh, get some guests up here? Uh, no, I think that was uh, all I had here. So, yeah, um, if you want to get uh, your request in, uh, we'll bring some people up. And, uh, yeah, we'll get this going. Yeah, we'll go, for uh, about, we'll go for about 30 minutes, guys. Yeah. We'll get to as many as we can get to. All right, let's start with, uh, I think, Joe. Joe, what's going on, man? Hey, Joe. Can you hear us, Joe? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, I, I did not get to see the game. Um, I followed on Twitter. I had a question about uh, Drummond and handling some of uh, LeBron's passes. seemed like he wasn't really ready for them. Did you see any frustration from LeBron or just kind of know that it's going to take some time for those two to gel? Thank you all, man. I thought it more or less looked the same as uh, uh, as it did with other players in the sense that, you know, when there's a lot of traffic around, if it's if it doesn't hit him squarely and uh, in the hands, he has trouble handling things. But uh, at the end of the day, like I'm not going to be too hypercritical of LeBron and AD pick and roll action this early because, uh, you know, Drummond has to learn, uh, you know, when when to expect it from LeBron, which is literally always and understand that, that, that he has to stay ready and that some of the stuff that Schroeder missed, some of the stuff that Caruso and THT missed, LeBron's not going to miss uh, when things break open. And, and his anticipation will have to all, he'll always have to be anticipating that kind of stuff. So I, 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 well, I didn't think, I didn't necessarily notice anything problematic about that today. And I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think we have enough data yet to necessarily judge that. Yeah, right. that, that was only it's only Drummond's second game, right, with LeBron, I think today. Yep. So he'll he'll get used to it. Um, and then you, uh, 
but he, he'll get used to playing uh, with LeBron eventually. Like, there were some plays where I don't think he was expecting the ball at all, right? Like, LeBron dropped it to him. He's like, mm-hmm. what, you made that pass? So, yeah, he, he'll get used to playing with them. And, again, there's, like, not that much space there. So, LeBron is really threading the needle. Drummond catches it with, like, two people around. And that's just not what he's good at, right, finishing there. So, the, the both of them will learn uh, each other's games. Uh, thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you, man. Let's see. My guy, Tom. Tom, what's up, man? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me. How you doing today? Anytime, bro. Always a pleasure, guys. I wanted to ask y'all what you thought about Schroeder today. Definitely didn't have the legs, missing short, but we got you know, maybe two games max for the real playoff start, and this dude just came back from COVID. We maybe already had questions about whether he could defend in the playoffs to begin with. So I'm just curious about, like, you think they might you know, mess around with his – rotation you know like kind of trim those minutes like what's the shooter perspective in your guys minds appreciate y'all so first of all i think uh that dennis if he was going to come off the bench in any capacity it would have been in a game like today you know (laughs) under the circumstances i think there's some sort of uh spoken agreement uh between him and the coaching staff uh that he expects to start i think that's part of their pursuit of him in free agency and just part of, of kind of his ego, which is fine. Like, I, I get it. He's a pro. He's a very good basketball player. He should have an ego. Uh, as far as defensively, the only thing that really concerns me with him is uh, teams like the Clippers, teams that will attack in switches and shoot over the top. Because the Lakers are good at forcing you to take difficult shots. But, you know, guys like Caruso, guys like Schroeder in particular, against bigger scoring wings, uh, have a vulnerability there. But I think the Lakers have an audible to go away from him in that case by going with lineups with more Wes and Kuzma and, and just more size on the wing where they can where they can make them shoot over a little bit more difficult of a, of a contest. But, you know, I thought he had some sloppiness today. Like you said, he was short on those jumpers. I think he has to be super aggressive on those threes. That's so important for the Lakers in their spacing. But for me personally, he's been so good this year. He has he's he's built up so much equity with me personally that like I can go with the bumps as he gets back into shape from this COVID thing. And even just the general inconvenience that this COVID thing was for the team, he's just been so good this year that I think he's earned, uh, earned a reprieve from all of us. And, and I'm, I'm kind of, a, I, I, I'm a big believer in what he brings to the team. Yeah. I felt like he was moving pretty well. I don't know if you, if you felt that way as well, Tom, I thought he was look he looked like he moved, well. he just, his shots were kind of short. Um, he had four assists. I expected like turnovers tonight. Like he was not going to be in a rhythm first game back. But I thought he like really made an impact. Still, um, his defense is going to be there. I, I don't. I think he's going to start most of the game. But I still think they'll probably close maybe with Caruso in a few matchups if that happens. Like they'll just pick a different closing lineup. I feel like he's going to start most of the games in the playoffs. Did you see that as well, Tom? Did you feel like he was at least moving well? I didn't see any like uh, impacts of that for him. It was okay. It was probably better than I was expecting, I guess. Yeah. Like some of that like really fast first step get to the rim stuff, like right. just the big energy question, you know, not just having COVID, but like not playing in two weeks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm just curious because it wasn't the most perfect fit with Shooter, Braun, AD. Yeah. That, that starting lineup with Casal was good all year, right? It's good. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious about kind of – with the circumstance, with the Lakers starting Caruso during them putting it together with AD, 
looking good on the defensive end and Caruso actually starting to play make and like make threes, you know, contribute on offense a little more. I'm just curious, like maybe not start Caruso, but if we see a quicker hook with from, from shooter. So appreciate the insight though, guys. Thanks Tom. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate it, Tom. Let's see. Bas- Basilio, are you there? Hey, how are you? How are you doing? Good. What's up, man? Saludos from the Dominican Republic. Awesome, man. That's where I went on my honeymoon. Yeah, t- not talking about... Uh, I, I, I heard about the, the game today, but what do you think about the toughest matchup for the Lakers in the first round? Jets or Suns? So, I mean... How good they are now? Raj and I have talked about this in the past. I, I tend to think the Lakers are a better matchup for the Suns uh, in terms of an easier first-round series. Um, but I, I think that if you're ranking Western Conference opponents, that the team that they need to be most worried about is the Clippers. So anybody other than them, I think, is a, is a better option. Um, uh, the, the thing with Phoenix is, as we learned, they literally cannot guard Anthony Davis. So... That just completely changes the geometry of the entire series, uh, even without LeBron. And, and, uh, and also the Lakers are just so gifted at defending guards. It's the strength of their team. Uh, uh, and, and that's basically what Phoenix leans on for the most part. And their primary isolation player, Devin Booker, is of a more manageable size for the Laker guards to deal with in switches. So at least, uh, you know, he's not going to be getting easy, easy, easy shots based on his physical tools. You know, I, I just I just think that that matchup makes more sense for the Lakers. But what's crazy is with with there's so many different ways this could break out. The Lakers could play. It looks like they could play Denver in the first round. They could play the Suns in the first round. They could, like It looks like it could be anything at this point. Yeah, it looks like it's not going to be the Clippers, though, right, with the Clippers losing uh, yesterday, throwing that, throwing that game against Houston. So um, it looks like it'll yeah, but be... Yeah, but what if Denver throws tomorrow, though? If Denver throws tomorrow against Portland, then... Us, oh, wait, then oh, they'd still be in the... Then we'd be in the play-in. You're right, yeah. So yeah, the Clippers right. effectively pitched us no matter what. Exactly. So we'll probably okay. most likely play uh, Denver or Phoenix. And to me, like, I think Phoenix is just... Uh, we touched on it a lot. I think that's an awesome matchup for us. I feel like we have the best guard kind of defenders in the league. And, and those two, that team kind of lives off its guards, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. And then they have no matchup for Anthony Davis, uh, let alone LeBron James, whatever he's going to do, do to them as well. I think Mikhail Bridges is a really good defender, but again, uh, very little playoff experience, right. For Phoenix. Like I just, he, he would get bullied. He'd get bullied yeah. by LeBron. Physically. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good team to kind of go against. I'm higher on Utah. I think than a lot of people are. I think they're the second toughest uh, behind the Clippers. Um, so I guess it, to avoid them as well would be good. So I, I think there'll be uh, – Phoenix would be a good matchup. Uh, Denver would probably be the one that we both want the most, right, out of that, out of that, out of all those teams. And it looks like they might play them if Denver – Denver doesn't throw the game tomorrow against Portland. So we'll see. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Um, Thanks, Vasilio. Our guy Merge. What's going on, Merge? What's going on, guys? Um, hey, Merge. How you guys doing today? Good, man. Doing well, man. Good. Um, I, had, I had a couple questions. I actually had a comment about the uh, the shooter thing that Tom brought up. Uh, it did seem like he did have a bit quicker of a hook. Uh, THT was coming in around the six and a half, seven minute mark. 
Um, I, don't, I think Schroeder normally comes out a little later in the first and the third quarter. Um, and I think THC was playing that Caruso role today since they're resting Caruso. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I do think Caruso will get a little more minutes with those starters just because he did look really good in that role. And he just historically is very good with LeBron and AD. Um, second thing is going away from the game uh, with Kobe, Kobe being in, inducted today in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what is your guys' favorite Kobe moments? Um, maybe not one that like a lot of people talk about, but maybe a little more underrated Kobe moment. You want to go first, Ross? Go ahead, man. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I can, uh, I can start with the uh, start with the Kobe moment. I guess, uh, which is awesome. Shout out to Kobe getting inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame. I think that that's awesome. We'll be able to watch it. I think it's at around two thirty is the ceremony. So it'd be nice nice to see that. Uh, my favorite Kobe moment. It's uh, I guess everyone knows about this one, but I guess it's just the game seven kind of that. I think they were up. They were he was like he wasn't able to hit a shot all night. And then uh, it was like the fourth quarter. He did a right right step dribble, pull up jumper, put us up four, and I knew the game was over. Um, <laughs> teenage me uh, was I was really excited. So I think that was I think that's my favorite Kobe moment. Uh, how about you, Jason? So obviously, I have lots of favorite Kobe moments, but uh, yeah. my my personal favorite was his first game back after the Achilles. So uh, if you guys remember, at this point in time, like. We've recently seen some guys come back from Achilles repairs and look pretty good. So the Achilles injury has like a different vibe now. Yeah. Uh, uh, but back then there wasn't really any example recently. And so I think everybody kind of just assumed Kobe was done. And when, when he came back and he, if you guys remember, he was wearing the, they were wearing the black uh, short sleeve jerseys and he drove baseline and did a reverse dunk um, uh, like kind of like, like double pump reverse dunk on the other side of the rim. And it was, you know, the highlight of the night and it was all this, uh, you know, a lot of crazy excitement about it. But in that one moment, I remember thinking like, this dude's really going to come back from his Achilles and still be Kobe, uh, which is just crazy to even think about now, as it turned out, you know, uh, he never really kind of materialized into anything. Uh, but in that moment, like, just because Kobe's Kobe, like you just couldn't believe it that this old dude who, had torn his Achilles had somehow come back and was, you know, doing a double pump reverse dunk in a, in an NBA game. Like it's just, you couldn't even fathom it, but like you just, your, your brain was always open to, to that sort of thing. Cause it was Kobe. Um, but you know, that I, I think that's just one of, of obviously many, many moments. Yeah. I, I like the AD story as well. He said like, I think Kobe uh, dislocated his shoulder or something like that. And he still went out and played and hit like a left hand jumper or something on the next position. He's like, mm-hmm. what the hell man, people, People don't do that. So, yeah, shout out, uh, shout out Kobe going to the Hall of Fame. I guess Murray's your second. Your other point was like the, the TH, I think you said THC was the first sub. Is that right? That yeah, yeah I, I said that the THC was kind of playing the Caruso role today. Uh, and he, oh, yeah. he came in for Schroeder around like the seven minute mark. And, and that's normally, uh, Schroeder normally comes out around like the five, four minute mark normally. So, I don't know if that was just a product of him coming back today or if it was sort of what we can see moving forward with, you know, Crusoe coming in around that seven minute mark and him playing more minutes with that starting unit. Yeah. I feel like, sorry, I feel like that was more, um, Schroeder's just, they're, they're, uh, being careful with his minutes. Right. I, that, that's why I thought it was, he went out really early. And also he didn't close the game either. 
So I thought he would have closed tonight because um, I thought he played well in that second half. Uh, he was really aggressive. I thought he got more comfortable. Um, his pick and roll passes got better. He was finding uh, Harrell and even AD on those roles. I thought he was he looked good. So I feel like that was more just a product of him trying to get back, uh, get his conditioning back. Um, and I thought that was why. And THD also played well, so credit to him. But I just thought that's why he came out so early. How about you, Jason? Did you see that same thing? Yeah, I agree. I don't think I don't think it was associated with a quick hook, so to speak. I think it was just them managing his return from from COVID. Um, I I like I said, the only scenario where I see him really being displaced from his normal rotation uh, a minute is going to be against the team that's attacking him in switches, um, because everywhere else in the game he he kind of. Uh, fulfills his purpose. Like he's not a great spot up three point shooter, but he's going to knock down enough of them that you have to guard him. And uh, on the defensive end against anybody other than a really quick or other than a really big wing, he's great. He's great at the point of attack. He's a great ball pressure player. He's a great defender to have just to make them uh, struggle to get into their offense, maybe initiating things at, you know, 12, 13 seconds instead of 18, 19 seconds. And there's a ton of value. He brings everywhere else on the floor and, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, Raj, you've hit on this several times. You know, LeBron, uh, they're going to – a lot of teams, especially the Clippers, are going to ball pressure LeBron all game long uh, in, in, an, in a, an attempt to just wear him down. And I think having that release valve of Schroeder to bring the ball up the floor is so valuable. And, you know, it's not as shaky as it is with a THT or a Caruso where you're worried about turnovers – or them making some mistakes like shooter, you can depend on to do to, to fulfill that role. So I still think as far as the rotation goes, he's going to be there unless he's getting attacked um, by a bigger wing consistently in switches. So I, I expect him to be, you know, uh, in all of their key lineups. All right, guys. Thanks. See you. Thanks, Merce. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate it, Merce. All right, let's see. Pedro, are you there? Yo, what's up, man? What's going hey. on, man? How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing man. Doing good, man. How are you? Man, I'm just anxious. Been looking at the standings all weekend long. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like we got a chance to get that six seed at least now. Yeah, it's in the, it's in play. Um my guess, if I had to guess, uh, would be that the uh, the Nuggets would throw that game tomorrow because that would allow them to avoid the Lakers in the first round. If I'm not mistaken, if Denver wins tomorrow, they're effectively signing up to play the Lakers in the first round. So I, I, my guess is that Denver will like kind of you know sub, subtly uh, tank that game tomorrow, let Portland get six. They'll take five or four because they'd rather play Dallas. And then you'd end up with Dallas and Denver and you'd end up with the Clippers and Blazers and then the Lakers in the play. And that's my guess, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I just, I don't think Denver will, will throw, will throw the game. I, I just don't feel like that's something they'll do, but we'll, we'll see, I guess, but it'd be great to like avoid that play playing. We already avoided the Clippers. Oh yeah, playing. for sure. That's what we wanted. Most of fans wanted, I think, to avoid the Clippers yeah. at least until that Western Conference Finals or even the second round. However that, however that, uh, however that goes. But um, yeah, we can get to, get out of play in in the six seed play Denver. I think that's a win, and I, there's a chance tomorrow. I, I don't think I don't see Denver throwing the game, but but we'll see. 
That would be the very best case scenario. Like if you could have told us yeah. when Schroeder went down with COVID and when LeBron was like, never mind, I'm not back yet. And when AD was looking like a shell of himself, which was the low point <laughs> of the Lakers season, you know, a couple weeks rough. ago. If you would have told us then, don't worry, you'll be playing Dallas or Denver in the first round, six seed, no playing, blah, blah, blah. Every Laker fan would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. Because it was looking bleak at that point, <laughs> so I, I would say that uh, uh, if if, De- if Denver wins tomorrow, that would be your best case scenario for the Lakers. Yep. Can I throw yeah, out I a agree. crazy scenario about Denver? Just that, like, if I'm Denver, and tell me if I'm crazy, right? I don't mm-hmm. expect to win the title this year based on far injuries. Right. I say win the game play the Lakers and get XP against them, see them again, fight them again. <laughs> like, let's go. I know that's crazy maybe, but like, is it so crazy? I don't know. Just throwing it out there. No, I like it. And then if you're going to lose, you'd rather lose to like the Lakers than drop the champions. Yeah. Than, yeah. Yeah. Because exactly. yeah. then you're like, dude, it was LeBron and AD. Well, like we might've lost with Jamal, you know, like that you could look at it different for sure. Also, also, I saw like Terry Stotts, who's I think the Portland coach. Um, he had this quote, and I feel like a lot of other kind of coaches probably believe this sentiment. It's like you're kind of messing with um, the basketball gods, as they say a lot on the Like Your Favorite Room podcast, or just with karma and all those things, kind of like losing a game to avoid a team, right? You're just kind of just messing with like bad juju, bad energy, I feel like. like I just feel like most teams, um, I, don't, I don't see them throwing the game uh, like the, the Clippers did yesterday. So I just don't, I just don't see that happening. It could be you can throw a game in a lot of ways though. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> like yeah, you can throw true. a game. Uh, like the Lakers throw games just when they don't when they don't uh, not deliberately throw games, but there are right. games when they come out and they're just like, ah, like we're not going to play tonight. <laughs> like, yeah, like like the Clippers game, uh, like last week. I, I meant yeah, like, yeah, that makes sense. Just deliberately like avoiding a a a playoff opponent, I guess, feels a little different, right? Like you're kind of just choosing who you'd rather kind of play in that situation i just think it's a little different there i don't see them throwing the game but maybe i'm wrong maybe they just sit Jokic and pj tomorrow well, and just say go crazy let me simplify it here because i agree with you that it's it's playing with the basketball gods i agree with you yeah i let's just put it this way i think denver without murray is a better team than portland but i think portland's gonna win tomorrow no other details that's what i expect <laughs> That could, that could happen, yeah. Yeah, that's fair because, I mean, that'll be a very touch, uh, tough matchup for them anyway because about Murray. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I was joking, it goes off, you know, MVP mode or something. But <laughs> Very much. Thank you, Pedro. Appreciate it. Thanks, Pedro. Thank you, guys. All right, let's see. I think yeah. – Will, what's going on, man? Oh, how's it going, y'all? How's it going, Hey, man, um, I was just reflecting on, like, the crazy week the Lakers have had. Like, I remember the moment, you know, like in the Clippers game when AD turned his ankle on that board. And, like, just the lowness that made me feel like I, I – at that moment, I just didn't think, you know, we could repeat, but like I've, I've been watching LeBron. Like I'm, I'm mainly just a LeBron James fan. I'll be honest. But like I've been watching him since like you know, 2010, and like just like every most of the seasons he has, besides last year, like there's always a low point in the regular season. Just like remind myself, like 
they always he always finds a way to come back from that, you know, and like make it to the finals unless he's injured. So like, especially after watching the performance today, the way he flew on that alley oop, like I'm pretty confident about the playoffs. You know, like I think as long as we're no no injuries happen until then, I think I think we can basically just book a final strip. Like I know that sounds cocky, but like I the Clippers scare me a little bit, but like as long as we're good, I think we beat everybody. So. I just like I, I I know it's kind of ultra positive, but it's just like kind of how I'm feeling after today. It's good to see the Lakers line up fully healthy. Well, for starters, we uh, we value your optimism. This, has been a, <laughs> this is this has been a season where optimism has been needed. Um, I do think it's very important to delineate between a normal LeBron apathetic regular season and this one um, because. To be frank, like we've never seen in his career this type of circumstance. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not optimistic because I think, I think like Raj and I have talked about a lot on this podcast, we aren't as concerned about his athleticism as we are with AD. And AD looks so great physically and LeBron looks good enough physically that I think there is reason to be optimistic. Um, I just don't think this was apathy. This was... This was LeBron, the dude who's probably the best player in the world, like suffered a contact ankle injury that held him out for what, what was it, 28 out of 30 games. So this was a this was a real significant uh, issue. Um, and I think it's it appears to be something that they can survive. Uh, I would say that I'm probably less optimistic than you. Um, <laughs> I think I think that I think that they're in for a war uh, in against the Clippers. And I think that. Uh, um, that they'll probably get pushed a little bit in one of these early rounds uh, when they're sloppy and a little bit out of shape and lacking continuity. Um, but I do, I do think that I think that we're I think this playoff run is going to look very different than last year, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a lot of long series. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean, I could see this. I could see the same thing. Um, he he looked good tonight, right? Like I thought he was moving well. This, this is why I want to get out of the playing game, though, because I just don't want LeBron to have to like just go crazy in one game, right? Have to ramp it all up right away, get into a series, be able to like you know set set down, kind of read a team, um, and attack them the way he wants to. Um, you know, he loses game one, so get losing game ones a lot, but but still, like I just like that he's he's able to go into a go into a team and kind of play them instead of have to go through this this playing kind of stuff. So if you can go through that, get away from the Clippers. And the West is good, man. There's no bad teams in the West. Like Denver being – I say this a lot. Denver being the prize of the West kind of shows how good the West is. right? Oh, like, yeah. That team is still freaking good. MPJ is really good. Uh, Jokic is the MVP most likely. Like that's a really freaking good team, and that's a team where we're aiming for to play. Like just think about that in terms of the West, the top of the West, right? You can't play Portland or any of those teams. But still, that makes – it's going to be a tough, tough, tough road. But – LeBron and AD are healthy. Like my only thing is with the chemistry thing. Uh, Schroeder, AD, and LeBron played their twenty-fifth game tonight, which again is just was nothing in a full season. That's my only concern. But if those two are healthy. You should be able to get out those rounds. Uh, maybe it's a longer series. AD, LeBron ramping up. Maybe those series are longer. But if they can just be in rhythm going to a, like a Clipper series, um, I think I'll feel fine. I think you're right. I don't think it's gonna be a no cakewalk to the finals though. This is a really good league. Forget West. This is a good league this year. There's a lot of really good teams on uh, both sides of the conference. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was a little disrespectful with how confident I was. Like, I definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely respect like the Nuggets a lot. Like, I just like you know the Murray loss is obviously that's like I would maybe 
have them as the favorites in the West, like with us, if Murray didn't get hurt. But like when he got hurt, I just kind of wrote them off. And like, I guess yeah. it's kind of maybe a bit of a mistake because Michael Porter Jr. is like ascended in that time. But um, as long as I think we need to play the Clippers in the um, conference finals, which is why tomorrow will be an inter- interesting thing, like to see if um, they tank the Thunder game. I guess that'll be pretty hard to do. But, you know, they did lose to the Rockets. So maybe if they end up in that four spot, which I think they will try to do, then we don't play them if we get the seven um, until the conference finals. So, you know, obviously tomorrow has big implications on that, and that'll be pretty interesting to see. But, yeah, I guess I shouldn't be so disrespectful. I think I think if we play the Clippers, it'll be go like seven games. I just think, you know, I trust in LeBron and AD to pull that out. I think you have, it, you, have, you have good reason to that he's been to the finals, yes exactly kind of last ten times so it's not like exactly exactly every out. every playoff he's been in you know last decade went to the finals so an interesting so. wrinkle will be road games in Denver to start the postseason off of uh, you know right. LeBron not quite being in shape and Schroeder not quite being in shape uh, again I, I like the matchups in that series so I think the Lakers would do fine. Uh, but that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on is like falling into a hole against Denver because you're out of shape playing at elevation against a team that's in really good shape and in a really good rhythm. Uh, but I, I still like their chances there. Another thing that's really nice about avoiding the play-in is the play-in tournament runs all week. It's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which means that I'm assuming the first round isn't going to start until Saturday, possibly Sunday uh, uh, for the Lakers. What, the, what, what that means is that you know, by, by winning tomorrow. And if Denver manages to beat Portland, you buy LeBron in uh, another five days to rest that ankle and you buy Anthony Davis five days to rest that groin and you buy Dennis Schroeder five days to get his lungs back and, and work on his, his, uh, uh, getting his polish back. And, and it just, it just, there's a, a whole list of benefits that come from that. Not to mention they would, I believe in that timeline face the Clippers in the conference finals. Yep, and we can practice, right? They get some practices in. Like I exactly. No one's practiced this year, so get some practices in, get that week off, get out of that play-in, don't play the Clippers. I think that's a win. We would have took that, like you said, all all day long. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think we're all N- Nuggets fans tomorrow for sure. So <laughs> ho- hopefully Jokic goes off. We'll, we'll see, though. Dame could do right. the same. Don't matter. <laughs> don't matter. I agree. I agree, but I, I think there's something to what Jason's saying about elevation, especially for Schroeder. Like coming off COVID, like you obviously, um, I'm very confident Schroeder. I'm very high on Schroeder, but he did look a little, um, you know, out of shape today. So hopefully, hopefully he can get that week to rest. But I, I, I do agree with Tom. Also, it don't matter. Like Suns, Nuggets, <laughs> Lakers in five, six, maybe, you know. So we'll see. So Jovan Buha reported that Dennis, after the game, while y'all were on here, said he did not have COVID. So oh, okay. I don't know what. To oh really? Why yeah. was he out 14 days then? No idea. That's crazy. Jeez. So that'll be interesting to see because I, I do I do understand that exposure changes your timeline based on the type of exposure. So it's possible that his health and safety protocol uh, timeline was extended because he had like a great deal of exposure. Like his um, wife got it or something? Like, yeah, something along, the, something along those lines. But I mean, who knows with this stuff? They've all been so secretive about it the whole time. And Schroeder didn't do himself any favors with that Germany interview. <laughs> no, he did not. 
Oh, I, I missed the Germany interview. I saw him. I saw him on Grand Theft Auto while we were playing the Clippers. So that was that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh yeah, that didn't help either. I guess <laughs> no, it, didn't. it didn't. It definitely didn't. He definitely doesn't know. Like he definitely doesn't do the right thing always. But you know, I I, I love him as a player though. I really do. Me too. For sure. Appreciate you, Will. Appreciate Thanks, you guys. Will. I love listening to the space after the games. You guys, you guys have a great one. Thank you, bro. All right, let's see. I think we have two more here. George, what's going on, man? Can you guys hear me? What's up, George? Oh, we can hear you. What's up, man? What's up, guys? Uh, it's good to be back. I missed uh, Tuesday Spaces. But I want to talk about a few things. I want to get to the Clippers thing last because I think they're playing with fire with what they did. But with the uh, the offensive droughts, uh, do you think that's concerning? Because we've had it with LeBron and AD now, obviously without them. But I felt like that was uh, justified. Or is that just the lack of spacing, which will probably figure itself out come uh, postseason? I literally just think it's the lack of spacing. I think, uh, and, and uh, Raj and I talked about this extensively at the beginning of the podcast. You can see the more detailed uh, version of that when we release the pod. But the, the, to make a long story short, you can get away with Drummond at the five when you're playing a Pacers defense that's missing some of their guys that's not really engaged on that end. Uh, but at the end of the game, when they kind of started paying attention to detail and taking away the easy stuff. All of a sudden your primary decision maker, LeBron is settling for jumpers because there's just nothing there. And I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, the Lakers will find when they get into the later rounds against a team like the Clippers or against a team, you know, like Utah or Phoenix, that they're going to actually really have to uh, um, uh, go away from Drummond at the five, just for the sake of, of stopping the stagnation in their offense. Oh yeah, um, I agree with that. I was gonna, I was gonna tweet out um, actually during the game like this is the first game with no scoring drought, you know, because Spectrum always. <laughs> and, and like in the last three minutes, they just decided not to score. It really bogged down. No ball movement, spacing was killed, all that stuff. So I'm not really worried about it. Again, like I don't worry about the offense of a LeBron and AD team. In my opinion, it's just getting them, getting them going. Um, I think those droughts will get even less as we get LeBron healthier, Dennis Schroeder back in the lineup, our, just our offensive creators back, right? Like, I feel like a lot of those droughts were because we just had no shot creation on the floor. We just we haven't given the ball to THT the whole time. Alex Caruso running those actions. That's where a lot of the droughts were kind of coming from. Um, I just feel like now with the with all our ball handlers kind of back all at once, which is funny, all of them coming back at once. But with them back, I feel like the droughts will be will be a little bit less as, as we go on here. They, they should get good looks. They have enough shooters to make to make shots. We'll just we'll see if it if it happens in the playoffs. But I just don't think it will. This, tonight was a nice offensive game to see. Have all have the whole team pretty much going, and uh, and yeah, like it, it sucks that it happened at the most important time of the game. Uh, it would have been nice to just get like a little fifteen point win, but nothing nothing comes easy here. I think no, it's I, important I, to 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 remember that the defense slipped in that moment as well. A lot of times over the last two years, the Lakers have had games like this, oh, for sure, where they stagnated at the end and uh, and almost blew a lead. And a lot of the focus is on the offense. And don't get me wrong, we, as we've discussed with the spacing, that's part of it. But a lot of times those leads are shrinking in large part because the Lakers have completely mailed in the defensive end. And you can get away with a lot offensively. Just ask the Lakers. It's been their identity. You can get away with a lot offensively if you're doing your job on the other end. And, and that's usually where it slips. But it is almost uniquely against opponents they don't respect, which wildly enough, has happened to the Lakers even in the postseason. Um, you know, look at game five of the NBA finals or, 
you know, like game three, like game three against Denver. Like this is all part of, of their, their identity. They, you know, they, they kind of click flick that switch on and off. Um, but the good news is, is they, they're number one in defense. So they tend to leave it on more than they leave it off. So you could, you could be worse. Yeah. I mean, I felt like the offense was really good through three quarters. And then all of a sudden Braun and AD are trying to do pick and rolls. I, I called it hero ball a little bit. Cause every time they came down, they did it and there was no movement and Drummond was always in the dunker spot. And it was just like the same thing, a turnover, a bad shot. But, uh, I'm not as concerned there. It'll it'll solve it's, solve itself out, like you said. But with the Clippers now, I felt like you know I'm not. I don't want to speak as like a Clipper fan, but I felt like if they thought their best chance to beat us was in the first round, if we were compromised, and then after that, I feel like they could have made a deep run because I feel like their only threat is us. And then they tanked the game out, and now they won't see us until second or conference final. So I felt it was weird. I thought their best chance to beat us was the first round, so I'm I'll take it. I'm not, I'm not mad with it. I just felt it was weird. The, the tricky thing there is Kawhi isn't healthy, so I used to think the same thing. Uh, like if I was the Clippers, I'd want to see the Lakers early, but they're dealing with their own issues of roster flux. Um, so I think that's what they're worried about. Right, and then uh, last, last little point on that, uh, going to that scoring drought. I think a lot of that also, I think they were trying to run the clock out, right, if I remember correctly. I think they were just trying to run the clock out um, with that lead, and that kind of led to those those bad shots. But, but yeah, with the Clippers, there's a lot of pressure on them this season, right? Like, they can't go out the first round. Like, they just, they can't. Like, that's, that's, that's like, a, apocalyptic for them. So I think they would have to try to get as far as they can, at least the Western Conference Finals for them. So I kind of, I guess I kind of understand it. I just don't like it in terms of, like, you know, respecting the, the the basketball gods and all that stuff, but um, but yeah, they, I feel like that's the good reason for them to kind of avoid us. They obviously feel, I guess, they would feel the same way where they're kind of biggest matchup, and uh, yeah, they can't go out in the first round or something like that. That's just that can't happen for them. So I kind of I understand it from like a logical logical view. I feel like the the second least team they would want to see is Dallas again. I know Luca was kind of punking them last year. I know it went six, but. I, I it, it'd be interesting. Their best matchup is definitely Portland. I feel like that would be a quick series, but I found it interesting. So uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Yep. Thank you. George. Yeah, this is going to be the most intriguing playoff um, that we'll have in a long time. Yeah, a lot of good teams. There's, definitely. There's no All bad, right. Thank you guys no once bad. again. Thanks, George. Thanks, George. Yeah, no bad teams in the West. <laughs> Let's see. I think we have one more left. All right. Let's do it. One more. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, just one quick thing. I had a question about uh, you guys talked about rotations earlier. Do you guys not find it weird yeah. that Ben McLemore doesn't play like majority of like 80 to 90 percent of his minutes without like he plays them without LeBron? I found that very interesting. It's global. Man, that's something I've been complaining about nonstop. It drives me nuts. Like it's like the dude has a super specific skill that has always melded really well with LeBron. And they just don't take advantage of it. Um, instead, you're playing him in a situation where he's not getting the same high quality looks that he would get otherwise. And uh, and, and it helps because he's a little bit of a space case defensively. It helps to have like a really good communicating defender behind him to help him be in the right spots. And that's another part where, you know, having LeBron would help. Yep, I, I agree with that. Um, I feel like, again, he's a specialist. Like he's getting a lot of minutes. Right now, still, I feel like he's getting more than he'll get in the playoffs. I think more of that will go because Bogle, 
he's going to go with defense, right? I think he's a defensive coach. When, when, he's, when he gets the choice to pick offense versus defense, I think he'll pick defense pretty much every time. So I feel like in the playoffs, Ben McLemore will be more uh, specified, and I think he'll get more minutes next to LeBron. Uh, he played a lot with, like, he's playing a lot with like THT and uh, even Schroeder tonight. Um, and uh, like you said, Jason, he wasn't as aggressive as he usually is for some reason. Um, but but we'll see. Hopefully, he gets more next to more minutes next to LeBron in the in the playoffs, where it'd be more specialized role, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just frustrating. But I just wanted to ask about it, see if you guys had any, if you guys thought differently. But yeah, when it gets to the chess match of a playoff series, you are you know the coaches are obsessing over film. You know they've got you know let's say they they're you know game three just happened and they're you know you're down you know, two games to one or you're up two games to one, but you just lost the game and you're looking at what's going on, what's, what's hurting you. And when they start to see blatant signs of spacing problems from a THT or let's say Caruso goes cold, like that's when you're going to see them try to shoehorn some Macklemore minutes in there. And then also just look at LeBron's minutes, man. Like I think he played low thirties today. Um, let's see just real quick, but, uh, uh, chances are he's going to be up closer to 40 in a playoff series. LeBron played 28 minutes today. Like it's hard to match up Macklemore minutes with LeBron when he's playing half the game. Um, so I think, I think in general in the postseason when LeBron's playing 40 minutes, I bet you Macklemore's minutes will almost, almost exclusively mirror LeBron. Yep. Yeah, man, I, agree. I hope, I hope. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for hanging out with Raj and I. We should. Uh, I'm planning on doing one tomorrow. I'm sure Raj is as well. So we will see yeah. with a a good of of what situation we're heading in next week, whether it's playing or prepping for a first round series. Tomorrow's game is at six, so we'll be going live right around eight thirty. We really appreciate all of you for jumping on. I'm going to take this screen and put it into a podcast for those of you who missed the beginning. Um, but as usual, Raj and I sincerely appreciate you guys and all your support. And we look forward to what should be a really fun playoff run. Yep. Appreciate it, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. Enjoy. The-